This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 6th to the 12th of June. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. Another week of exciting events to cover. Absolutely. Good to have you back. So, what are your recommendations for the coming week? Well, we've been concentrating on the morning sky because, you know, we, we know the major planets are out there at the moment. But, you know, we, it's one of those things that, that it's slightly slow changing. The only major change in the morning sky, really, is that Jupiter and Mars are slowly getting further apart, sort of thing. Mars is slowly mm. heading its way down back towards Venus. So, you know, it, it, it's still worth getting up, having a look at them. There's, you've got a parade of planets. Uh, so you've got sort of Saturn, Vesta, Neptune, Jupiter, Mars and Venus all in the morning sky. So again, about 3.30, 3.40 a.m., that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But this week, we ought to concentrate on the evening sky because it's interesting how the moon, when it goes round us, um, you know, some constellations are quite small. So sometimes literally the moon only spends one evening in that constellation. But as it happens, it's going through, when we class this as the, the spring sky, we've got Leo and Virgo, and they're actually quite large constellations. So it can often take three nights, say, for the moon to cross Leo, and sometimes four nights to actually cross Virgo. It depends on where the moon's position falls relating to the boundaries the International Astronomical Union set up for the constellations. So as it happens, sort of thing, the uh, on the 6th of, uh, on, sorry, on the 7th of June, uh, we actually find the moon is that first quarter and it's actually in eastern Leo. I mean, it's 
half a phase. I mean, you know, we call it first quarter because it's made the first quarter of its orbit around the actual Earth that particular month. But it's actually a half phase. So the Terminator cuts across, and it actually cuts across very close to the prominent craters of Tycho and Clavius. I always remember Tycho and Clavius, of course, from the film 2001. One of those seminal, you know, sort of cinematic moments when it comes to science fiction, I have to say. But, mm. uh, of course, they found this, the Tycho Magnetic Anomaly, and so they set up the excavations from the base set up at Clavius. They went over to Tycho, excavated, and they found, of course, this great monolith, the black monolith as such. I, I can't tell you you'll find a black monolith if you've observed the moon with your telescope. In fact, you can't <laughs> even see the, the, these, these sort of like the landing sites sort of thing. No, so, you can't. I mean, you know, and the number of people say, oh, I should be able to use my telescope to see it. I said, well, even Hubble can't see it sort of thing. So uh, you won't be able to see it. They're just too tiny on the scale of the moon. But you can look at Tycho and Clavius. Clavius has got a set of a lovely curved line of craters of different sizes well worth looking at. And of course, Tycho has got a lovely central peak as well and some nice ragged features around it that cast some great shadows. So they're definitely well worth looking at over the next few days. On the 7th, the Terminator is really close to them, so it's virtually cutting them in half. But literally the next night, that's it sort of thing. The actual, they, they start to become uncovered and become better placed to actually view on the moon. So there we are. Now, as it happens, the moon that night on the 7th happens to lie directly below Denebola, which is Beta Leonis that evening. There's not a lot of excitement you can say about Denebola. It's a bright star. I mean, it's a bright, quite prominent star, but there's mm. not a lot exciting you can say about it. I mean, at least Regulus has got a double. It's a double star as such. But it is prominent, and you should be able to see it. I often get comments from people, what was that star above the moon I saw? Nine times out of ten, it's a planet. <laughs> you can <laughs> that is true. Guarantee, guarantee always it's going to be a planet when they notice it most. But there are yeah. bright stars above the moon at certain times, depending on where the moon is in its mm -hmm. orbit. So the moon during the course of this week now moves through Virgo. So it moves from Leo into Virgo. And on the 8th and the 9th, it lies either side of another double star. You know, I mean, I'm amazed the number of double stars that actually lie quite close to the ecliptic, which is why we often notice them more because when the moon's near, it draws your attention to them. So this is the star uh, Gamma Virginis. This is Porima uh, in Virgo. It was very, very close, you know, but it's, it's one of those that's been gradually opening out and has actually become a lot easier for us to split now. So when you do need a telescope and use high magnification, but again, two headlights, two white stars quite close to each other. But there you are, the 8th and the 9th, the moon lies either side sort of thing. It is waxing towards full as we progress through the actual week. And then on the 9th and the 10th, it's actually either side, i.e. above, but either side of Spica. So the 8th, it's sort of to the right of Porima, and then the 9th, it's to the left of Porima. But on the 9th, it's also to the right of Spica, and then on the 10th, it's to the left of Spica. So it's moved through Virgo. I mean, it, it is quite a large constellation. It almost feels as though forever to say, come on, get a hurry on, get into another constellation. But that was three nights it spends actually in the constellation of Virgo. Uh, then on the 11th, it's really, I mean, we're back to double stars again. I'm sorry, but I have to harp on about them because this <laughs> one's the really good one that's called Zuben Elginubi. It's Alpha Libra. Because on the mm. 11th, it's right next to it. It doesn't occult it but he's really close. So if you use a pair of binoculars, 
Um, Zubanel Ganubi is actually a naked eye. Well, not, not, not quite a naked. Depends on your eyesight, I have to say. I mean, my eyesight wouldn't <laughs> do it. These things often do. <laughs> yeah, they do. But binoculars will clearly show the star as double. So, And it'll be in the same field of view as the actual um, moon as well. It's really close. So again, it draws your attention to this really nice double star. So if you've never, I mean, if you, you've never really looked at double stars before, if you've never bothered, the moon acts as a really good guide to home in on several over the last sort of week or two. So there we are. And so, well, that on the 11th, will that be throughout the night that you'll be able to see that? Uh, yes. I mean, the moon obviously gradually moves past um, Alpha Libra, Zuben El Ganubi, sort of thing, you know, big mouthful, isn't it? But uh, it does move past it, sort of thing. So it's not stationary all night, really, because the moon is obviously moving in its motion. It's surprising how much. And it's actually, because it's quite close, you, it doesn't take too long before you notice the motion. So if you're using a telescope and tracking them, you will start to notice. It depends on whether you centre on the star, so you actually position your, or you're tracking, you can use lunar rate on a lot of these go-to telescopes. And that means it will track and keep the moon centred, but the star will slowly appear to move past the moon. And that's a mm -hmm. nice effect, so it's worth trying. Most people stick to sidereal, which is the stellar motion uh, of mm -hmm. the view. So, you know, and that, that means you see the moon creep past the star. But, it, you know, it's worth changing to lunar um, motion because it gives you an instrument. You're focused on the moon and centred on the moon, and then you see the star gradually drift past it as such as well. This would be a really good moment to actually do that. And finally, for the 12th, the next evening, the moon has moved into Scorpius. It's actually quite close to Deshuba. I never know whether I pronounce that. Is the D silent? Is it Shuba? <laughs> it's not Shubak, I Who know knows? that. <laughs> you know. But uh, it's to the right of Deshuba. Uh, and Graphius in Scorpius, and uh, Antares is to the lower right. Now, Antares is the one that most people know of, bright, blazingly golden red sort of thing, star, fiery red. And Mars, when it's nearest to it, it's the one that you compare it to Mars and see what the colour's actually like. But this is a good way of finishing it with the moon quite close or getting close to. And it will move closer to these two stars, Yeshua and Graphius as well, during the course of the evening if you want to go, if you want to stay up through the night. Yeah, it depends on you. If, you. if you want to do that, you can do. Why not? I'm not saying stay up all night and then miss work. I, I, I am not <laughs> recommending that whatsoever. You'll get in trouble. But if you can, you know, it's worth having a watch. And again, watch. Again, you see the motion of the moon gradually creeping closer to these stars. So there we are. So that ends this particular week. Yeah. I always think that's that's nice when you can sort of see the motion within our own solar system and you can see that everything is moving because um, the stars are moving just very, very slowly. And I think that's a kind of nice way to remember that, that everything is in motion, even when it appears to not be. Exactly. Um, but yes, it sounds like there's lots of great things to see in the night sky this week. So thank you very much for telling us all about them, Paul. Pleasure. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. <laughs>